Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. As Napoli win their first Scudetto since 1990. E finita! Il Napoli! E campione d'Italia! Juventus faced the biggest scandal since Calciopoli, as the Italian courts remain indecisive on their points deduction. Significantly, they're back in the Champions League places. But with five teams in the final stages of UEFA's cup competitions, one Milan side, of course, guaranteed to be in the Champions League final. Just watch that game because it's everything that's great about Italian football. Italian football is seemingly on the rise again. Home to the big names of Mourinho, Lukaku, Sarri, Oshiman, Allegri, Liao and of course Silvio Berlusconi. It's Italy, it's chaotic, it's romantic. But above all, you can't take your eyes off it. So join me, Ian Irving, on a trip to Syria for this edition of the Athletic Football Podcast. Okay, with us along for the ride today, then there can only be one man for the job, and that is the Athletics' James Horncastle. James, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. What a season for Serie A and the Italian sides. Yeah, it is remarkable. I mean, if you just look at European performance, Ian, to have you know five teams in UEFA semi-finals across all of their competitions: Champions League, Europa League, and Conference League. It is remarkable. I mean, you have to go back, I think, to 1991 to have at least an Italian team in each of the three competitions. Back then it was the Cup Winners' Cup rather than the Conference League. And it's brought a lot of eyeballs on the league, a lot of attention. Question is, City are back? Is it as competitive as it was in the past? Is Is it back? Well, on the face of it, it is. because (laughs) There's there's still a hesitancy there though, isn't there? uh, Ultimately, the, the gap between... City and the Premier League is still so vast economically that it's difficult to expect Italian teams to be able to repeat this over and over okay. again. I mean, if if you go back last year, for example, there were no Italian teams in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So it's not like they have been building towards what we've seen this season. I think Roma winning the Conference League under Jose Mourinho. That was Roma's first trophy in 14 years. It did show teams what is possible. And I think also the dynamics of this season have contributed to what we've seen in Europe in that Napoli were runaway leaders, even going into the World Cup break, and particularly after they beat Juventus 5-1 in, I think, their second game back. And that, I think, led a lot of the teams to think, actually, look, the title's gone. Let's focus on cup competitions. And so that environment has certainly contributed. But in the medium term, when Premier League clubs are making three times more than City A clubs from TV revenue, when Premier League clubs are making three times more what City A clubs are from stadiums, match day revenue, 
it means that City A is still really up against it when it comes to uh, closing that gap and being what it was in the 80s and 90s. Now, that doesn't mean it's it's not a compelling competition because I think one of the things that is really fun about City A and is kind of the envy of other leagues or any sporting competition is is you've got plurality you've got diversity of champions you know four different champions in four years and the knock-on effects of that are that fan bases believe that their team can win something every year so fans are coming back in their droves to to stadiums you know stadiums that to be honest aren't really fit for purpose anymore because a lot of them were built for the 1938 world cup um and been a while since then yeah exactly and and so that is great Ian, because you're seeing these packed coliseum-like stadiums. That makes the TV product better. Because if you're watching TV and the stadium's only half full and you're a casual football fan, you're like, well, if a fan of this team can't be bothered to go watch them, why should I be watching them on the sofa? Fair, yeah. And, and instead, when the stadium is sold out and there are flares and there are big choreographies uh, going on, it is infectious. You know, it makes you want to not only watch it, but it makes you want to think, you know, I'm going to book a ticket to go and to watch Napoli. I'm going to get a flight to Milan or something like that. So, you know, all of that uh, makes it, on appearance, it looks like it's back. But as I mentioned, there are some pretty big systemic problems that they, they still need to address if they are to close that gap with the Premier League. Yeah, and we'll get into some of the issues that Juventus is certainly facing a little bit later on in the podcast, but we can only start with Napoli. Their first Scudetto win in 33 years. Your piece about it all on The Athletic is a piece of art, James, to be honest. I mean, the story crosses into romance, it crosses into theatre, cinema, uh, old Hollywood, you name it. There's there's links all over the place. Um, but on the pitch, what have you made of, of how they've dominated Serie A and those title celebrations as well? That sky, I've never seen anything like it. And that was just on a little video on Twitter, what it must have been like to be there. <laughs> Yeah, to, to go there at any stage, I think over the, the last uh, month and also the the weeks and months to come, it's, yeah, I'd recommend it. I mean, I was there for the, the quarterfinal of the Champions League against AC Milan and the buzz around the city was just amazing. You know, it, it felt like uh, everyone knew Christmas Day was coming, Christmas Day in football terms being winning the league for the first time since, since 1990. Yeah, they've been by far the best team in the league this year. I think there's some regret which isn't necessarily shared by the players or the fan base, but it feels like they were best in class in Serie A this year and had they progressed in the Champions League, they would give whoever makes the final from the other side of the draw, Real Madrid and Man City, a better game than than Inter or Milan. Yeah. But there's been a trend in Serie A over the last couple of years that teams that have actually cut back and got smarter, got leaner, have won the league. So, for example, you look back at AC Milan last year. Yeah, they won the league despite cutting their wage bill by 20%, despite having a net spend of only 75 million. And they were just more agile than their opponents, their competitors that year. They were younger. I know a lot of people look at Olivier Giroud, they look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic and think, ah, this is a stereotype of Serie A, that it's where old legends go to retire. But <laughs> the rest of that team was very young. 
And Napoli have done more or less the same. Yeah, they cut their wage bill by 20%. Four players who were legends of the club yeah, left in the summer. So they sold Koulibaly to Chelsea. Insigne is a hometown kid. You know, you really feel for him at this moment in time. You know. He'll be gutted he's missed out on this, won't he? Gutted to miss out on it, even though he's from a Napoli supporting family. And Mertens as well, the all-time top scorer in Napoli's history. His contract wasn't renewed, even though he was prepared to take a, a pay cut in order to stay. He's been at Galatasaray this season. And so usually you look at that and you think this is a complete rebuild. They're in a transition season. You know, we hear it in the Premier League all the time. This manager needs two or three more transfer windows in order to be a success. <laughs> I've done the Manchester United podcast this morning, so I can vouch for that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the other thing about City. Yeah, I mentioned the trend in terms of slashing your wage bill and not paying a lot of money for players, but being smart in scouting. It's also, the other trend is just blowing up your team a little bit. You know, I mean, for example... Milan, you know, they lost Donnarumma on a free transfer because they were really disciplined about their wage structure. Uh, Hakan Chalanolu as well. Frank Kessie left at, at the end of the Scudetto winning season, but they were, they were prepared to basically let the spine of the team go, move on, and they were still winning and competitive without it. And that's what Napoli have done this season. And it's one of those questions you ask yourself as a journalist, is this by design or is it by accident? Because as good as I think their sporting director, Cristiano Giuntoli, thought Kim and Cavratskelia were going to be, for them to slot in in the way that they have and make the impact that they have done, I, I think exceeds even the wildest expectations. And I think it just, again, underscores how important chemistry is within a team and and how, yes... They've put themselves in a good position to be good this year with the recruitment that they made. But the relationship that Kim would have with his centre-back partner and the players above him, that's been as good as it possibly could be. Cavaratskelia has been the signing of, of the season anywhere in Europe. And you've got a coach who has been very close to winning the league in Italy in other years and has had to come up against you know an inter-team that was winning the league title five years in a row when he was at Roma and a Juventus team that won the league nine years in a row. But Spalletti has shown that in a normal year, he can get the kind of points totals that would lead to winning a league and just needed the timing to be right and the team to be right. And that's what's happened with Napoli this year. And he's got his due. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's very special despite this kind of, almost exoticism and fetishization of, of the romance of Napoli's uh, league title win. You know, I think everyone knows it's 33 years. Everyone knows that they've done it for the first time after Maradona. But how they've done it is, it's quite, it feels quite normal. You know, it, it feels like they could do it again, that they don't need a, yeah. a, a Maradona, a supernatural figure in order to do it. Yeah, that was the theme of the piece, wasn't it? The collective winning it and it not being at the hands of a, of a genius in, in Maradona. Um, Jack Pitbrook wrote an article about Spalletti and about sort of backing an idea rather than a CV in terms of managerial appointments. He was thinking of Tottenham when he said that, but 
he's a great advert for that Spalletti and it, it almost seemed like his time has gone when you, you talk about those periods that he had up against the, the might of Inter and Juventus, but he's done it. Oshiman obviously is the other headline. It was his goal that, that got them over the line with the one-all draw against Udinese. I mean, in terms of a striker, uh, he's as good as it's got this season across Europe. Um, you said about them going again next year. Uh, a lot of it will depend on on him and him staying. Is he likely to stay or do you think it's almost certain that he'll leave after the season he's had? Well, I mean, the answer that I gave at the top of the show about the financial disparity between Premier League and Serie A means that the first comment under any article I'll write about a good team in Italy is, can they stay together? Are they going to be broken yeah. up? Because the gravitational pull towards the Premier League is so strong. I think the interesting thing about Napoli is that De Laurentiis, he took them over when they were in the third division. They'd just gone bust. He's run them and handled them like he handles his own money. He's been very prudent. They've often been a profitable club. It's, it's meant that they've been resistant to having to sell their best players often. And, you know, he gives these players Hollywood contracts. And what I mean by that is not paying them the sort of money that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie get, which is like, you know, sort of 20 million a film. It's putting all these clauses in about image rights and everything, which makes it really difficult to extract these players from, from Napoli. And so again, when we were discussing about the team going into this season, losing Insigne, Mertens, Koulibaly, yeah, all of those players left Napoli in their 30s when we've spent years reading reports about Koulibaly's going to Chelsea this year or Man City this year, and it hasn't happened. In the end, they saw Koulibaly when he was north of 30 and they got a record for a centre-back for a player in his 30s. Yeah, Mertens in his 30s when you know, he could have gone to Chelsea. Again, it's always Chelsea. Um, a, a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, Insigne as well, you know, player long linked with Liverpool. Uh, yeah. these players have gone at the end of their contracts because the the club has decided you know what we we want to bring the wage structure down but they've been resistant throughout whenever big offers have come for them so Ozumen they paid 70 million for him which is a lot of money and uh, on that basis you'd think okay well he's now the top scorer in Serie A looks like he's going to finish the top scorer in Serie A and and so he's going to be worth more than 100 million now, there are Premier League clubs that can afford to pay that. But whether they've got the appetite for negotiations to drag on and on, and an extra two million to be thrown in here or an extra two million to be thrown in there, or can you do this, can you do that? A lot of people tire with with negotiating with Napoli. They just find it very hard. And I think that's the same with Cavalazzeglia. And the only player that I see as being vulnerable is the centre-back, Kim. He's obviously been linked with Man United over the last few days. Kim has a buyout clause in his contract. And so there's right. nothing Napoli can do about that. So as much as they can dig their heels in when it comes to Osimhen and Cavadatskelia, when it comes to Kim, if someone writes a cheque for the fee that is in the contract, there's nothing they can do. So on that basis, you know, I think there are strong grounds to believe that this team, for the most part, can stay together and go again next season. 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be a situation to keep an eye on in the summer. If you want to know more about why Oshman is being tracked by all the top teams in Europe, we had a podcast on that on this feed just a couple of weeks ago. Okay, well, whilst we know where one team will be finishing this season, let's talk more about why the Serie A title might be lying about the race for the remaining Champions League places. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Okay, the big story that's caused all the unrest is Juventus and their alleged player trading misdealings, which saw them given a points penalty of 15 points. But that penalty was then suspended and they're back at the moment in the top four of Syria. So James, just give us a quick timeline of how this has gone and how it's likely to go. So I think the best way to look at this is that there are kind of four live investigations into uh, Juventus' affairs, uh, one of which... Uh, went to a sporting trial in January. That's the one that you alluded to, 15-point penalty uh, for allegedly inflating uh, transfer fees from cross-transactions. What cross-transactions are listeners asked? Basically (laughs) swap deals. And uh, they appealed that, and it means that the the points penalty has been suspended. As we record this part, the the written reasons for the suspension of that points penalty are about to be uh, released. Um, now, essentially, Juventus could have that points penalty reinstated, which would mean they would fall back out of the top four. It could be reduced, and that might mean they are still in the top four. Or uh, it could be cancelled out entirely, uh, which means that their, their league position at the moment is is true. But even if this sporting case, however it's resolved, there is another one pending, which is into... Uh, how they accounted for paying their players during COVID, which might lead to another points penalty. On May 10th, so in a couple of days, there will be a preliminary hearing in a a criminal case, uh, which kind of ties all these threads together. Uh, And, of course, UEFA are looking at all of this. Uh, UEFA have, have their own investigation, which will decide whether Juventus compete in European competition next year. And UEFA would like all of the various sporting cases in Italy to be tied up as soon as possible so that they know who is going to be competing in their competitions next year and whether they have to take a decision uh, on on Juventus. So, yeah, this has led to a lot of unrest uh, within the league because you've got teams competing for top four who thought Juventus were docked 15 points who've now mm-hmm. seen Juventus leapfrog them. And they're like, okay, well, that's, that's influenced the decisions I've made game to game in terms of resting players, in terms of how important this game is, in terms of whether a draw is a good result for us here or actually we should have gone for the win. It's also uh, played havoc with Juventus as well because yeah, the, the shock of having that 15 points penalty took some time for the players to absorb and adjust to because all of a sudden they went from being in a title race to being in a relegation battle <laughs> and Crazy. they went on an incredible run once they'd absorbed that and then they were expecting the 15 point penalty to either be confirmed or taken away completely 
and then it was suspended. And you can see in the last uh, few games, at least up until last midweek, that has taken some time for the players to kind of absorb and recalibrate. So uh, Juventus feel that had this waited until the end of the season and then a decision had been made, you know, maybe they would have played with more serenity, more peace of mind, and they might have got more points than they've got yeah. on the pitch. So it's a, again, when you when we go back to that starting question of, is City A back? Uh, scandals like this do damage the credibility of the clubs involved and damage the cre- credibility of the competition itself. Uh, there's nothing City A can necessarily do about this because ultimately it's the Italian Football Federation who have their sporting justice system, which has intervened here and imposed this 15-point penalty. Um, they obviously can't do anything about the criminal investigation, which has, has gone on. But, you know, for City A, which is going into a TV rights tender in May, I imagine the broadcasters bidding for the TV rights tender as well want to know uh, where are Juventus going to be playing next year? You know, are, are they going to be playing with another points penalty? You know, so, so it's... Uh, it's one of those things that you feel that could only happen in in Italy. Um, it, it feels like you're you're not just watching a game of football; you're watching a drama on on Netflix, <laughs> which which may actually add to the value of the TV rights. Well, Who knows? It certainly added to your piece when you were writing about Napoli. As I said before, you know this blurring of of the, the sort of glitz and glamour side of Italian football and this this more murky side. Certainly, I mean. What you just said there was echoed by Jose Mourinho when he was asked about the whole thing. He just said, we're in Italy. Uh, Maurizio Sarri, the Lazio coach, has been a bit more outspoken about it. I mean, when do you think we'll know what the table should actually look like? I mean, it doesn't sound like we're going to know when the season finishes on the 4th of June. Who is where? Is is that right? Yeah, we're cutting it very fine. Uh, I mean, the, the first sporting case, the one with the 15-point penalty, which was imposed and then suspended, that's gone into extra time. Uh, essentially Um, and now that these written reasons are expected that will then allow uh, Juventus to well they'll look at them and then obviously they'll go to the court of appeal again Uh, and that that process could happen quite quickly so I'd I'd expect an outcome in that uh, at the end of May so before the end of the season but okay then there's this other sporting case that 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 could end up leading to another retrospective points penalty or points penalty being levied for next season. So it's it's really difficult. It's difficult to predict. I think I'm just about keeping up on that one. I think we yeah. better talk about something else. So let's preview then the semi-final of the Champions League, which is a Milan derby. And of course, those are two of the teams who are wrapped up in this Juventus thing as well. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. 
And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athletic football. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash athletic football with no spaces. So the Milanese gather on Wednesday for the Derby della Maranina as Inter and AC face off for a place in the Champions League final. I think I pronounced that right, James. I've tried that three times. You can definitely say it better than me. But what a semi-final this is for Italian football and particularly for Milan. It is. It's, again, in terms of this question of is, is, is culture back, you know, I mean, you could not wish for a better showcase for the league than the Debbie della Madonnina in a Champions League semi-final. Oh, um, that's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, this is spectacular. It's yeah, it's played at San Siro, which is the the Scala del Calcio, which is, you know, the the famous opera house in in Milan where all the virtuosos play. So, you know, whenever the national team plays a big crunch game, they play at San Siro because it's the it's the stadium with the most grandeur. It's one of the kind of wonders of the football world if you like both fan bases you know whenever this uh, this derby takes place they ensure that it is one of the world's best games to go and watch not only for what happens on the pitch but what happens in the Curva Sud and the Curva Nord because the the choreographies the fans plan are breathtaking draw dropping so I can only imagine what they've got planned for these two games um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen this. We've seen this happen before in 2003. That was uh, the last time it was a Champions League semi-final. Milan progressed on uh, away goals. We then saw it happen in 2005 in a Champions League quarter-final, which is the the game behind that iconic photo of uh, Materazzi leaning on Mario, Manuel Rui Costa's shoulder as the flares uh, rained down from the inter end, which led to the suspension of the game and and, and Milan going through to that final, which. As a guy from Manchester, and I'm sure you'll remember at the Theatre of the Very Dreams, fondly. One of the all-time great finals, not? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember all the balls that were suspended yeah. above the pitch. That was pretty spectacular, to be fair. They should bring that back. Um, yeah, it was great. I, I don't think that's ever happened before or since a Champions League final, so UEFA, please take note. But It just gave me great anxiety that the ball would hit them at some point and it would affect the game in some way. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think the, the city of Milan... Uh, I always find it funny. Remember when Nemanja Vidic, uh, not to draw on too many Man United stories, but uh, when Vidic was going to play for Inter, there was always this kind of like, well, what's he going there for? You know, like, uh, you know, I mean, if it, if it <laughs> rains all the time in Manchester, you know, Milan's not much better, but Milan is a, is a fantastic place to to live, to watch football. I mean, in terms of history and prestige, you know, only Madrid kind of compares um, because, mm. you know, I mean, Madrid... 14 Champions League trophies are in trophy cabinets there, but they're all with Real Madrid. Whereas in Milan, there are 10 and Milan have seven and Inter have three. And I think as as a city, culturally, it's impacted football like no other place in Europe. You know, you think of the 60s when I think Inter and Milan went to five finals. You know, that's when a lot of legacies club, legacy clubs' legacies were defined in that era. Uh, in terms of tactics as well, you know, 
the city of Milan kind of defined Italian football because that's where Catinaccio was played in the 60s and 70s and it became the identity for the national team and it became what people associate Italian football with. And then AC Milan changed in the late 80s with Rigo Sacchi, the pressing concepts, which we see in the Premier League to this day. You know, you, I remember Jurgen Klopp, uh, after a Dortmund game, being interviewed on Italian TV. I think Dortmund had just played Napoli and he saw Rigo Sacchi in the TV studio and he had to tell him that he was the guy who inspired him most as a manager because Wolfgang Frank, Klopp's mentor, he was the guy who bought all the VHS tapes of Arrigo Sacchi's Milan. Pep Guardiola, whenever he's, whenever he's in Italy, makes sure he has lunch with Arrigo Sacchi. So again, that just goes to show the influence that that Milan and, and the city of Milan has had. And so for all this to be, again, wrapped up in a Champions League semi-final, it just feels, it feels right. And so many articles that I've had to write over the last few years is, is, is whatever happened to AC Milan or whatever happened to Inter. And here they are. And here they are. And, and you know, they, they still have a way to go in terms of uh, they've got their own issues, I suppose. What sort of shape are the in-games for this game? They're in great form, to be to be honest, which is fantastic. I mean, yeah, Inter were outside the top four in in Serie A and have this reputation for being a cup team, at least under Simone Inzaghi. You know, they they lost the league on the final day of last season to Milan, and uh, but they won the cup and they won the Super Cup uh, this year. They've won the Super Cup. They're back in the Coppa Italia final. And uh, they're in the Champions League semi-finals for the first time since they won the treble under Jose Mourinho. And uh, a lot of the squad players that they've had, who are really good, I mean, Mourinho has been pointing this out because it's come at Roma's expense. If Inzaghi wants, he can play Lautaro Martinez and Dzeko up front. And if he wants, he can bring on Lukaku. He can bring on uh, a striker that they paid 35 million for called Joaquin Correa, who scored against Benfica in the, in the quarterfinal. And you know, Lukaku's had a difficult season all of a sudden is scoring and assisting and he's combining with Lautaro Martinez. So they look very good and certainly have had the better uh, against AC Milan in the last two uh, games that they played against them. But you know, Milan, you know, the story of their league title last year was that they were a team that kind of upgraded, modernised. I mentioned how young they were, but their coach, Stefano Pioli, had kind of spent a little bit of time out of the game, studied a lot of the kind of new pressing concepts out of Germany, implemented them in Italy. And so you had this kind of team that played with the high line, which was quick at the back, which was about pressing. Champions League this year, we hadn't seen any of that. We've seen kind of old school Milan just grinding out, sat back. just sat back, yeah. defended really well. You know, I, I know Steve Holland, the England assistant manager, was in Naples for uh, Napoli-Milan because uh, Tomori was playing. And Tomori gave away a penalty in that game, but Tomori was otherwise outstanding. And... And so, yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty interesting to see this game. A lot of people expect it to be really tight because, again, that's sort of what they associate. Not just all Italian affairs, but whenever two teams from the same country play against each other, it tends to be tight. It's that final we mentioned we mentioned before, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, <laughs> let's let's not let's hope for something different from that. But, Did anyone have a shot? I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a famous bullet header by Inzaghi, uh, which Buffon saved. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but the, the, that's the, it. The, the thing is, these games have been great in recently. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember one of the last games that I went to before the pandemic hit. It was 
Conte's Inter against Pioli's Milan. Pioli's Milan were 2-0 up at half-time and they lost 4-2. And, you know, over the last couple of seasons as well, we've seen 4-3s, 3-2s, um, big turnarounds in second half. So if we get something like that, uh, you know, obviously whoever goes out, it will eclipse anything else they've done this season. It will be awful to go out against their cousins, as they're known in Italy, and then kind of sit back and think, oh God, are they going to win the Champions League? Um, because I remember when Inter won the Scudetto in 2007, Milan won the Champions League and uh, on Milan's open bu- open top bus parade, Massimo Ambrosini held up a banner saying, you can shove the Scudetto up your ass. You know, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, I mean, I- I'm sure if Milan were to go on and win the Champions League and Inter won the Coppa Italia, someone else would dust off that banner and say, you can shove the Coppa Italia up your ass or vice versa. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be great. You know, I think anyone who uh, is unaware of Italian football, just watch that game because it's everything that's great about Italian football. If anyone's lucky enough to go, they will, and it's their first Madonina, they will go into the San Siro and they'll come out of it a different person because it's, it's, it is really something else when, when you get to experience a Debbie Della Madonina. That seems like the perfect place to leave it, to be fair, James. I think we could have talked about this for twice as long. We've not mentioned Juventus and Roma in the semi-finals of the Europa League or Fiorentina in the Conference League semi-finals either. But they're just the headlines, of course, from what's been a brilliant season for Italian football. For more from James and on Syria, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1.99 a month for 12 months by going to theathletic.com forward slash football pod and of course you can get more European football by listening to the Totally Football Show Euro edition where James Richardson and this James and co go through the biggest stories from the continent each and every week but for the moment James thank you for being with us and thank you for listening we'll be back tomorrow bye bye The Athletic